Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Up the floor, Ingram. Shovels to Trey. Left wing three. Yes! Pandemonium in downtown New Orleans. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seat Geek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the notorious J.I.M. Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, man, you know, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling all right. You know, we're still sitting eighth in the in the West. There's so much good news to talk about. Uh, we got a Zion update. Uh, we'll discuss that. Uh, we got Graf on the horn. I just I just want to talk about so much stuff. Uh, first, I guess we should get to uh, the Zion update, huh? We've been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. It happened. Not much of an update. Sort of uh, more of the same. It's a uh, Hey, he's going to continue his progress, which I don't think that's anything anyone's going to throw a parade about, but it's better than, hey, he's getting shut down, which all of the Twitterverse seem to be expecting. Sure. I mean, you hope that he can be available at some point. I know we saw some reporting from people this morning from Shams Jarania that he's not expected to be available for the play-in tournament either. Hopefully there won't be a play-in tournament for the yeah, Pelicans, and, and that we'll get into that as well later. In the and scenarios. They'll go right to the playoffs, and then we can have we can revisit this conversation. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what was on the table yesterday, and, and hopefully we'll hear some good news in the, in the near future. Yeah, the good thing about the update is it leaves it open. There is a, a possibility that Zion could return if we find ourselves in the playoffs. Uh, we will see. Now, we want to get to the players that are on the floor playing right now and talk about them. What a great game against the Grizzlies, an exhausting game uh, against the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, felt like it was in hand towards the end of the fourth. Graf was getting cocky, reading tweets about stats, and then he blamed himself for the fourth quarter mm, collapse. Don't beat yourself up, Graf. Yeah, Come on. Superstitious Graf? What? Yeah. Uh, by the way, he's uh, he's at his house rubbing his lucky rabbit's foot all day <laughs> today. That's why Graf is going to be on the phone today. Yes. Uh, but, no, Graf was blaming himself for reading the stat. Uh, it, it just seemed like how is the how is this team going to recover from mm-hmm. just having to go into overtime? It was a big part of of Graf's broadcast. Yeah, I, you know what? Too, it's it wasn't just Graf. I feel like there were seventeen thousand people that were sitting in the stands Wednesday, looking around and saying, "Like, man, th- talk about a tough way to end regulation. How in the world are they going to mentally bounce back from that?" I mean, the they were they had it in hand. You're, I mean. You, any reasonable human being. Six seconds. Come on. You're, yeah, you're up by six. Um, there was a stat that Andrew Lopez tweeted about teams are 17,000 and zero when they're up by six points in the final five mm-hmm. seconds of regulation, I think it was. So anyways, every single person, reasonable person, I would say, is thinking, man, the Grizzlies now have momentum. Memphis is riding high right now. Their bench is going crazy because they just totally escaped a position that no team obviously in many, many years has been able to right. pr- prevail from. So, I mean, all those things and you're thinking, okay, I, I have no idea how this is going to, going to turn into the a team's got to deflate, but yeah. guess what? 
they came out and went on a 12-0 run. So that yep. was really impressive the way that they were able to just say, hey, what's done is done. Let's We got an overtime period. It's back to 0-0. Let's go out there and dominate. And uh, Jim, plucky as always, you were on the streets in the locker room after the game catching up with Mr. Larry Nance. And uh, it seemed like he had some opinions on that. Uh, let's check it out. I mean, we knew we, we knew he had the momentum. I mean, you know, a few a few fluke plays doesn't change that. And so, um, you know, it was, it was positive. You know, we knew that group that we had in had had made a had made a comeback and had uh, you know had been applying pressure that entire second half. So, um, we, we were confident. Always good stuff from Larry Nance. He is always a great soundbite. And uh, you know, we got to talk about Herb, man. Thirty-five points, five of eight from three-point land. Uh, you know, we we know that Herb puts in the work, and and even his own teammates seem surprised though by the results of it. Thirty five points from Herb is not something you would ever expect. Yeah, I mean, for him to just totally zoom past his previous career high was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it, he was in the I think it was mid twenties, twenty six. I think was his career high. Usually, when you see a guy get a career high, they beat it out by a few points. They don't go from twenty six to thirty five. Yeah. yeah. So for him to do that, it was so much fun to see him come out and knock down threes. Man, I knew he was on his way to a big night because he came out immediately in the first half and made a few three-pointers. I think he started out three for three from deep, and he had 15, 17 points maybe by halftime. Yeah. So um, it was it was awesome. I mean, we, we know that that's not what the team looks to him for. We're not expecting him to score 20 points a night or anything like that that's so what we call lane yet baby. yeah huge bonus for herb to be able to do that and i mean we all know the, the guy is extremely beloved not just among the fan base but the locker room as well yeah so i think people were everyone was pretty ecstatic it's just one of those things that puts a smile on your face to see yeah. that guy and we, we know too that i mean he, he there's no doubt he had struggles early in the season he was shooting 28 percent from three-point range before the all-star break teams still are leaving him open and saying, you know, we dare you to shoot threes. So for him to perform the way he has over the last few weeks, and especially really since the all-star break at the level he's been at has been awesome for him and a huge plus for the team as well. It, it seems like it's paying off. And if people are going to sag off a of herb and leave him open just to, to know that he can be a threat and that they're going to have to account for him in the future. Uh, it just helps the team. And man, seeing Herb, CJ, Trey, they all eclipsed 30 points, five threes. That's only the second time it's ever happened in NBA history. Uh, couldn't happen to a better group of guys. Yeah, and the first time that that happened in NBA history was actually earlier Wednesday night. Yep. So kind of funny that, I mean, I guess it's not surprising that if it was going to happen, it happened now with how much teams are shooting threes. Same and, night's a little bonkers. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Um but for three guys to have 30-plus, and none of them was Brandon Ingram as well, that, that part is kind of cool, too. Ah, yes, yeah. When you, when you think about the weaponry that this team has, and you know if Herb is going to turn into a quality offensive player as well, Trey Murphy is just, you know, he, he's been one of the most eye-opening players in the entire NBA over the last couple yeah. months and since the All-Star break. So I think it's slow, but it's coming as far as some of the re recognition nationally of, like, just exactly how good is this Trey Murphy guy? Right. So all of that kind of came together with, you know, CJ had 31 as well in that game. And, you know, you, you have three guys do that in historic fashion. 
I'm just glad that they were able to get a win because it was a little touch and go for a while there. Yes, and it would have felt so empty in a loss. You know, you Mm -hmm. almost wouldn't want to talk about those stats. But uh, because of the win and because we got to absolutely plant the flag as the first step of what we want to accomplish, now we are guaranteed a play-in spot. That's step one. Uh, But... Once again, Jim was in his trench coat with his notepad hitting the streets because he got to catch up with that Mr. C.J. McCollum and talk about it, didn't you? Yes, indeed. And and uh, it was funny listening to him because he, he makes some kind of funny comments here about how, he, for one, he was surprised that Herb had 35. Uh, that was not something that was evident to him. Yeah, it as seemed a, like a few of his teammates were surprised. I thought they'd all be watching Herb score at that point, but I yeah, was, they were shocked. I was going to say, was it a quiet 35? But then again, like everything Herb does is quiet. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that wasn't even that way dunk where he kind of pulled up on the rim. It was, it was quiet, but it was loud. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, CJ just starts talking about how at the beginning of this clip, he talks about how surprising it is that no one in New Orleans history has ever, there's never been a game in New Orleans history where three players have scored 30 plus in the same game. No, not, the way the NBA is now, so many different guys are, are a weapon, are a threat. Um, so I'm not surprised that it happened for us. I'm surprised it hasn't happened before, especially with some of the players they had. You know, they had Cuz here with AD, Drew was here. Major Chitch was here when we got when we got swept. So like they had enough guys to get thirty, just probably wasn't their night. Willie joked. He he said, "You mean to tell me that Chris Paul, David West, and, and me never got thirty in a game when <laughs> the season that was here?" So that was funny. Herb, Herb's shooting over forty percent from three since the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like he's been making progress offensively as it is, and then yeah. he comes up and has thirty five tonight? He had thirty five. Yeah, 35. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I didn't know he had 35. I didn't read the box score. But, I mean, we see the work that he puts in. It's only a matter of time before it translates. And shooting is confidence. It's repetition, but it's also conditioning. And when you condition your mind to continue to get reps, it becomes easier. And tonight, um, that was him allowing his game to come full circle. And I'm not surprised he's shooting 40. He, I tell him all the time, you, you shoot too much in practice. He's like, take, sit your ass down somewhere and relax, man. And uh, he's been getting a lot of reps since he got here, and it's, it's finally paying off. Great stuff from CJ. You heard it from him. Herb, sit your ass down. Uh, it seems like it's finally paying off. Seems like it's surprising everyone. But, man, you love to see it from a guy like Herb Jones. Absolutely beloved here. And, uh, man, you know, speaking of beloved local favorites, our own Todd Graffinini is uh, is on the horn. He is, you know, he is stuck at home today uh, for a bit as he prepares for this game. But we're going to give him a holler. Let's check the mood. Let's check the temperature with our own Mr. Todd Graffinini. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast, this man has been through it all. He has aged in dog years, but he is doing it for the people. Radio play-by-play voice, Mr. Todd Graffinini. How are you doing, my friend? I am much better than I was uh, a couple of nights ago in the Smoothie King Center. The the Pelicans did win the game, so it's all good, but the uh, obviously last few seconds of regulation uh, did age me uh, a lot, and which, uh, you know, it's this time of year, man, it's Easter. Everybody's supposed to be, uh, you know, happy and, and joyful. Yeah, wearing but, their um, No, man, it, uh, in all seriousness, look, um, it, it, the bottom line is the Pels got a win that they needed. And now, you know, you've got two games left in the regular season, and, and obviously they both uh, – have an opportunity uh, these both games that you have an opportunity to uh 
to move up in the standings. So, you know, no one's going to look after the year's over really now with the standings out. No one's really going to look at how it happened. The bottom line is that you got the win and that's all that matters. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, you, you seem to hold it together very well for a guy who is actively losing his mind on the radio in real time. Uh, I've gotten asked by so many radio producers and other people, please send me the end of the fourth. And I want to hear graph because everyone <laughs> needed to hear the roller coaster. They knew it would be a ride and none of them have been disappointed. I actually labeled the file graphs, Joker arc. Because it was you uh, giving up, feeling it again. Uh, how much fun was it now that you know how it ended and you're able to sort of, you know, see it in retrospect? How fun was that overtime? It was. It, the, here's the thing, Joe. Um, it was a lot of fun because I think, well, not think, I know that the mental fortitude that the Pelicans had to show yes. uh, in that overtime after what happened at the end of regulation, I mean, that, that shows you something. And I talked about it on the post game with, with you guys, you know, this team in the last couple of seasons under Willie green has been a very resilient team yeah. and they continue to do these types of things time and time again. And, and even though, I mean, for, for them to come back after what happened and look, that would have been a historical collapse. Yes. And I, I'm not just saying this just for my personal opinion. It was fact. Yeah, I mean, by the I, records, I it would have been historical. Well, I saw the tweet after the game, and thank goodness we didn't have to bring this up. You know, I, the, the tweet that I read on the air, which obviously I'll never do again before a game <laughs> is over, uh, was that no other team had come back after a 15-point or more deficit. Uh, every other team had done it twice the Pelicans were 0 and 28. Well, when Trey Murphy was at the free throw line, you figure, well, he's going to make two free throws. So he's fifth best in the league. And he goes one for two. And then five seconds later, Dylan Brooks gets fouled shooting a three by Herb Jones. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, what have I just done? Um, (laughs) But you know, that that's just a bit of an aside, but the tweet that I was really referring to was in the last 20 years, uh, teams were 0 and 17,980 with a six point lead and four seconds to go. I don't know how I would have recovered from that one, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. um, we wouldn't have been calling you today. Yeah, when you get into the 17,000s, uh, <laughs> it's pretty rare. So we were saved from that one. Uh, but, but seriously, though, when, when you get to overtime after that happened and you score the first 10 points, it's like, my goodness gracious. Uh, these guys really can shut these types of things out and, um, they did it. So they continue to just show that mental, mental toughness that you need, especially this time of the year. You know, it's funny, Graf, you mentioned Trey, uh, it, I learned my lesson as well because when he missed one of those two free throws, it didn't even phase me because I'm like, Oh, they're up six. It was, I didn't Right, I was just like, no big deal. I was starting to look at what I was going to write after the game and, figure out what was going to happen post game. Um, but you know, that was one of the only things that he didn't do well in the second half of that game. When you look at what Trey's been doing, not just in Wednesday's game, but just over the last few weeks. And even since the all-star break, I mean, what are your impressions of him? To me, it seems like he's becoming, he's clearly showing, you know, for one that this him at the 17th pick was tremendous, but just the fact that he can be such a huge foundation piece, I think going forward over the next few years. Yeah, no, yeah, no question, Jim. I, I just think this was this is the player that he is 
you know, he had the potential to be, and it's still just his second year, even though his second year is almost over. But this is the type of guy that you need on winning basketball teams. Someone who can really do it all. He's got the length. He obviously is a marksman from three. Uh, when he gets into a rhythm, I mean, it is it is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. But, you know, he's defending. He's rebounding. He's getting to the rim as well, Jim. And, and that's the key. And we just talked about his free throw prowess. So when you put it all together, and I go back to the beginning of the season, and, you know, Antonio Daniels, who the guy, as far as I, I, I think, he told people, whoever was in the sound of his voice, that Trey Murphy was going to be the breakout guy this year. And yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it that he has become. I mean, now... The 30-point games are starting to pile up. He's got four of them. Um, you know, he's, what, the only uh, player in Pelican history or Hornet history, for that matter, to hit more than nine threes in a game multiple times. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the guys that you look around the league, Jim and Joe, that it's like, man, it would be nice. That, because you see these types of numbers being put up right. in today's NBA, night in and night out. It's like, boy, we need a guy like that. Well, he's the guy. I mean, he is the one who is capable of these types of numbers and, you know, moving forward, the two games left in the regular season, the play in tournament and beyond, uh, hopefully no play in tournament and you'll, and you'll get into the top six, you're going to need these types of efforts night in and night out. But we're starting to see these types of efforts night in and night out where, no, he's got a score and you're counting on him to score and he's really coming through. And that's the thing, you're, you're seeing these foundational pieces of the Pelicans really blossoming when it matters the most. And you're seeing them mature almost in front of our eyes. Herb's game, the 35 points, yep. 5 of 8 from 3, absolutely bananas. Not something you expect uh, from a Herb Jones. Seeing Trey, as you said, just shooting the lights out. Uh, look, the Herb, CJ, Trey, uh, eclipsing 30 points, 5 threes, that's only happened one other time in NBA history, it was on the same night against, uh-oh, right. our next opponent, <laughs> the New York exactly. Knicks. So so give us a little report yeah. on those Knicks. I mean, how dangerous are they going to be tonight? Well, it's interesting because, and I, I don't want to uh, kind of slough off what Herb has been doing too um, to get into the Knicks talk, but, you know, it, it hasn't been a great year for Herb when you're talking about just him missing games. I mean, right. he only missed three, four games last year. So he's he really had to battle injuries, and I, I just think it's now starting to come into his own. Uh, the foul trouble, it seems, as I knock on my forehead, <laughs> it, it, he's not getting those really early cheap fouls much anymore, Yes, uh, which has gotten him on the bench early in ball games. Yeah. Um, He's starting to play the minutes that he's supposed to be playing, and you need him out there, Uh, not only for the offense, which is really starting to come around, obviously, but defensively, he has proven again and again and again he's one of the best in this league, and he blocked three more three-point attempts the other night. Uh, You know, I don't have the stat in front of me, but he's got to be leading the league and blocked three-point tennis. Yeah, that's crazy. Three-point attempts, he's got Mm -hmm. to be, Um, because nobody does that, and he does it regularly. Um, but to see him, you know, the way, <laughs> you know, I, I talked about in the first quarter the other night, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is literally sitting in the paint while Herb Jones is out, that, 
outside yeah, the three-point arc. Yeah, disrespect, yeah. And, and her mentioned it after the game, and I said it during the game. This is complete and utter disrespect. Yep. It's total disrespect how they're playing him. And the only way to stop that is to do what he did and just sit there and drain threes. And this is not a coincidence anymore. He's shooting nearly 50% from distance since March 1st. Yes. That is a pretty solid sample size, gents. Uh, and if he continues to do that, uh, the, the spacing defensively is obviously going to not be what it has been. Instead of just packing the paint, they're going to have to come out and guard this guy, and that's just going to free things up for other guys. Um, getting back to the Knicks, yeah. you know, they're not going to have Jalen Brunson tonight. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have Julius Randle. Right. And what that has done for Tom Thibodeau and, and the Knicks is that's allowed him to play some of these younger guys that haven't had a lot of opportunity because what Brunson and Randall have done. And now you're seeing guys like Clinton Grimes, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, who was a lottery pick a couple of years ago. These guys are playing a ton of minutes and they're really starting to produce. And you talked about the three 30 point scores and the five, three point uh, games which never happened in the history of the NBA. And it happened twice the other night uh, with the Knicks. Grimes quickly and top and each had 30 points and they each made three, uh, five threes. So, you know, those kids are playing with a lot of confidence. You throw in Mitchell Robinson who's a walking double, double our old buddy, Josh Hart, who is just a perfect fit for Josh Tom Hart. Thibodeau and what he does because he does all the dirty work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got a pretty solid team, even though they're going to be without their two top guys tonight. Uh, they are number five. <laughs> Tell me if you had this on your bingo card. They're actually tied for third in offensive rating mm-hmm. in the league at 117 uh, per 100 possession. You do not think of a Tom Thibodeau no. team as being offensive. Right. Uh, it is strictly defensive with him, but they are putting up multitudes of points. I mean, they've hit over 130 in the last couple ball games. They went into Cleveland without without Julius Randle and, and hung 138 on Cleveland, who's a really good defensive team. Yeah. So even though they don't have their two top guys, uh, you cannot let up one bit because they have scoring. Uh, I just am really going to be curious to see how the Pels defense uh, is going to play this team tonight. You know, R.J. Barrett is questionable the last I checked. Too, right. So he's their third right. rating scorer. I mean, we know – I mean, who knows? It's I don't even want to sit here and make a prediction of whether he's going to play or not, but we know that the Knicks are also locked into the five seed in the East. Correct. So and I think in a lot of cases, teams are going to take precautions when it's a situation of they, they don't really have anything to gain from you know this game tonight. But um, Graf, you mentioned earlier just how important these two games are this weekend for the Pelicans with what's at stake. So I wanted to ask you, do you have a firm grasp right now as we sit here that if the Pelicans win two games on what it will take, what scenarios that there are for them to get into the top six. Jim, that's what you're here for. I was told there was no math uh, <laughs> during the podcast. I'm tired of hoping other teams lose, to be quite <laughs> yes, honest with yes, you. Yes. I, I, just think, I just think if the Pels win these two games tonight and on Sunday in Minnesota, and, you know, it, it – that game on Sunday is going to mean something one way or another. We sure. were kind of hoping that mm-hmm. we would get through everything without it meaning anything, yeah. but it's going to, uh, for somebody, it's going to mean something and it's going to mean uh, for any other team, it's going to mean something and it's going to mean something for the Pels. I, I just think, again, this is just my gut. If the Pels win these two games tonight and Sunday, 
um, I think everything else is going to take care of itself. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, staying out of the top, uh, staying out of the playing tournament. That is, sure. um, you know, and, and everything's going to shake out. I don't know what you guys think on that, but that's, that's just me. No, we're going to go through that in the segment at the end of the show in terms of the scenarios and the, and uh, what it's going to take. They're but, no, I think if you look at the situation and again, I will explain this later on after we say adios to graph in this segment. Um, I think you're right, Graf, that if they win two games, if they win both of the games, um, most likely they will be top six just based on there's a few different ways that they can get in. And one of the methods actually involves most of the other teams winning the vast majority of their games. So there's multi- right. there's different ways that they can get in, but obviously they have to win their two games. If they don't win their two games, it's impossible pretty much for them to be top six. So I think you're right. You win these two games, and there's a really good chance. I'm not going to sit here and crunch the percentages and tell you it's 64.3% if, if they it. win. I don't even know exactly what the percentage would be, but um, it'll become clear, I think, as I explain this later, that if they win these two games, there's a pretty good chance that they'll be top six. They're All gonna need, will become clear. There's gonna need, they're going to need some help. Jim, can it, Jim, I'd like to ask you a question because, again, you're yeah, the number let's guy, open up the floor. I, I know you. you're going to be doing this later. Yes. I, I just want to ask you for my own personal benefit. If the Pelicans split, mm-hmm. if we go one and one in these next two, is there any chance of getting top six? I think there is, but you're talking about teams having to – like Golden State would have to lose to Portland on right. Sunday. And the Clippers okay. would have yeah. to lose to – actually, I think they're playing Portland as well oh. on Saturday. Go Portland, so, and apparently. Then, and then Minnesota. Yeah, I think Portland's uh, miracle wins are uh, – They might have used I, them I, up, I, yeah. Yeah, I think they're out of rabbit speed. They so, definitely used it up last Sunday in Minnesota. That's just, again, yeah, so, that's just me. So long story short, if they could go one and one and still be Win top two. six, but it'll take, a, yeah. it'll take a miracle that we've never seen before. Hey, here's our novel idea. Let's win two. I agree with Graf. Uh, there man, you have it. I, I you know you've it. got a, a big game to call tonight. I know that you're you're pacing about the Graf estate. Uh, so, man, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you got loins, gird them because uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. And, uh, man, I, I'm just excited to hear your calls, as always, on the radio, my friend. Let's go get them. I, I appreciate it, gentlemen. And, you know, just thinking about that, too, Joe, it really has been a great – it's hard to believe, but this is the 41st home game of the year, the final home game yes. of the year. And the Pels have had really, really a good year at home. It, it You know, and, we, and in my four-year NBA career here calling these games – uh, haven't been able to say that. Uh, this has been really solid when you're going into a game knowing we actually have a home court advantage. So uh, I, I think big, big shout out to the fans. I mean, yes. sellout after sellout this year. Yeah. Um, and I would expect another one here tonight. And obviously it's an important game. Yeah. So come on out. Uh, if you don't have your tickets, I don't, I would believe there aren't many left. No. Um, and, and and show the support because this is such a crucial game, and just to to pick up yet another home win would be absolutely key before we head to Minneapolis. Absolutely, we need you all loud and proud in the Smoothie King Center doing your best graph impressions. We need you hollering, graph. We will see you tonight, my friend. I'll be there, gents. Great stuff from our friend and yours, Mr. Todd Graffinini, radio play-by-play voice for your New Orleans Pelicans. Give him a follow at NTGraff. 
All right, Jim. I am. Uh, I have a bunch of numbers in front of me that I do not understand. All right. I am. A, I'm more of a creative type. Math confuses and frightens me. So uh, I see the various scenarios in front of you. Uh, the West is fluid. So much mm -hmm. to talk about. As we talked about with Graf, we want to just win. But uh, let's just talk about all the the various scenarios that could shake out in the West. You know, people sometimes in 2023 use the expression that you're in your bag. Yeah. People say you're in the lab. Yep. I think I was in my bag and in the lab on both of these. He was in his bag lab. Is that a thing? <laughs> yes. But I have good news for you because, you know, as crazy complicated as this whole situation might seem, I've been able to boil it down somewhat reasonably to terms that I think normal people, unlike myself, can understand. Right. So I'm, I tried to make this as simple as possible. Okay. So, and by the way, I want to give credit well, to let me put my bib on for my jewel here. <laughs> yes. I'm real dumb. This me... won't, this won't, I promise this won't take long. And okay. that's, so that's a good thing. First, I want to give a shout out to on Twitter at E Flint, because he actually pointed out something that made this very, um, easier to explain and understand. So okay. the, the first scenario here is the Pelicans. I should preface all this by saying uh, anything I'm going to talk about now is assuming that the Pelicans go 2-0 and win both games. Okay. If they don't win two games, there's no conversation about the top six anyways. All right. So, anyways. So, uh, just win. Right. So, here's the first one. Pelicans go 2-0. and If they get a loss from any two of the three, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, they will be a top six seed. So, you don't need multiple losses from right. a bunch of teams. You don't need – all you need is – two of those three teams to lose once. Okay. We'll take them, we'll take some of them or any of them losing twice as well. Sure. But just at a some bare people, whatever. At a bare minimum um if two of those three teams loses, then and the Pelicans win twice, they're all good, they're in the top 6. And I think one of the things that is important to point out from that part of it specifically is Golden State plays at Sacramento Friday, the Lakers host Phoenix Friday. If the Pelicans win Friday against the Knicks and those teams both lose, the Pelicans will go into Sunday knowing that all they have to do is win and they'll be top six. Right. So you really want to root for that. You want to root for, like I said, the Warriors to lose tonight and the Lakers to Easy. lose tonight. So Easy. I think that's pretty Done. simple. Yeah. So let me go to the second scenario that is feasible besides the one I detailed in terms of needing two or two of the three Warriors, Lakers, Clippers to lose is this is going to get a little complicated, but it's actually really good news if you think about it because um, I wrote about this in five things to know. I'm calling this Check scenario the least help needed possible scenario okay. pathway because th this is going to probably blow people's minds. But if the Pelicans go 2-0, Golden State also goes 2-0, the Lakers also go 2-0, but the Clippers go 1-1. One one. Mm. That gets you into the top six. So do not that despair. likely too. Yeah, do not despair if the Warriors and the Lakers both win tonight. Because if they both they win tonight and Sunday, and they're both playing teams on Sunday that are out of the race, mm -hmm. so they both win tonight. That's a juicy one. And the Clippers split their two games, which is also feasible because sure. the Clippers play Portland Saturday, a team that's uh, not putting their best foot forward. <laughs> yes. And then yes. Sunday, the Clippers play Phoenix, which is still undefeated with Kevin Durant as we speak uh, Friday morning. So that kind of that was kind of amazing to me to think that. You could have all of the teams are quote unquote rooting to lose. Yeah, actually win both of their games in the Warriors and the Lakers. But if the Clippers split, you still move into the top six. And the reason for that is because that combination would create a three way tie between the Pelicans and the two LA teams, 
Luckily for the Pelicans, the Clippers actually swept the Lakers 4-0. So yeah. that creates a situation where the Pelicans sweep of the Clippers benefits them to a great extent. From also, the aggregate. Uh, aggregate head-to-head records. Yeah. It also would negate the 3-1 Lakers edge over the Pelicans in the season series. So Love that. In some ways, that would be the most sweet way, Kinda I think, would. for things to, to yeah. unfold. Because that would actually make the Pelicans six, the Clippers seven, and the Lakers eight. So the Lakers would play the Clippers in the play-in game. So, I mean, the only part of this that's a little dicey, I'm sure people are going to have a hard time wrapping their minds around. With that combination, you actually want the Lakers to win twice. I don't know if I want to recommend on this sacred Pelicans podcast that. But anyways. Like, it'd be funny if they lose twice. That's fine, too. But, you know. The point being that it's not just that they have to get a bunch of help. There's actually a way that the Pelicans can get top six, even if two of these other three teams win win out from here to the end. So it's feasible. When when Graf asked me about, you know, ways that they can get in and how reasonable it is to think if the Pelicans beat the Knicks and they beat the Timberwolves, how likely it is it that they're top six. That's why I say I think it is pretty likely if they yeah. win both games. It's definitely not a guarantee and a given, but if they win both, I think they're looking to be in good shape. And we know definitively too that if they win both games the worst that they could be is eighth so you still would be in that position where um you have two chances to win one game and last thing i'll i'll mention too on this whole thing um last regular season home game tonight against the knicks but since the pelicans can finish no worse than ninth they're guaranteed to have a home game it could be it could be a play-in home game or if they skip the play-in completely obviously you'll get two home games in the first round of the playoffs right. against whoever you would play. So we can definitely say that Friday night against New York is definitely not the last time that the Pelicans are going to be in the Smoothie King Center for the season. Yes, that's and that's a sweet feeling, isn't it? Knowing you'll get to to get in there and then holler some more. Jim, that is a great Gymnario, maybe my favorite. Look, if you found your eyes glazing over and confusion hitting you, here's the summary. Just keep smiling and yelling, go Pels. It'll end up okay. Keep winning, keep taking care of business, TCB. Uh, Speaking of taking care of business, you're going to be having to take care of some business soon. Yeah, unfortunately, I have a very negative gym scenario to to lay out for everyone, and that is I'm not going to be here all of next week because I have to have eye surgery. Now you sit there and you say, "Uh, Jim, why the heck would you time this for the play-in tournament possibly, the beginning of the postseason? And I say leaving the people hanging when they need you the most. So Joe's going to be running the show all of next week. I'm hoping that I can make some kind of cameo maybe by the end of the week, depending on yeah, we might wheel him in here. Yeah, I won't actually be in. I won't be leaving my home (laughs) based on what I have to do. So that's what you think when I throw you in the trunk and (laughs) bring you in here. We'll see. But yeah, no, I I had to get this done. Unfortunately, I'm I'm definitely no doctor, but the experts told me that you can't wait on this. You got to do it immediately. It's nothing serious, but I was concerned that if I didn't do it, that, you know, the Pelicans make a run to June and it's still not taken care of and I can't see and. My typos have run, are running rampant everywhere, yeah. and everyone's like, "Is this even English?" <laughs> right? What's what he's he writing? Doing? Is he trolling so us? I got to get this done. On I'm actually doing this Monday. Yes. And I'm hoping, in the ultimate positive scenario, that the Pelicans get a top six seed. Uh, they don't even be. They're not even part of the playing tournament because yes. I am going to be observing the playing tournament in some fashion, watching, but it's going to be from home. And this is a kind of a crazy number, but. 
or fact, but I've never missed a home game in my entire 17 years here. Man. Regular season or playoffs. Iron Man. So if, they, if they're if they in the playing tournament and have a home game next week, I'm going to – that'll be the first time I ever miss one. Oh, so man. that makes me a little sad. But guess what? Win two games, get a little bit of help on the scoreboard, yes. and then they can take all of next week off. I can rest easy. I can – Get, get into recovery mode yeah. and be back fresh and ready to go when the playoffs start. Hashtag do it for Jimothy Pelicans. Uh, come on. The vision is important. We're glad that Especially you're going to be able writer. to see. Yes. Yeah, important so to be able to see. You don't have to, uh, you know, just babble what you think happened. Uh, so, man, we're just good luck with that. We will hold down the fort for you. But Pelicans, do it for Jim. You heard it. Uh, Man, it's uh, it's, you're our Cal Ripken Jr., and we just want your streak to continue. Before before we get out of here, uh, we we have a tie, an epic, an epic tiebreaker we must break tonight. Jim and I have, have been uh, uh, tied up in the pick'em. It's we call it hashtag Saturday Score because it's only during the Saturday games yes. where Joe, myself, Gus Cattengill, and a fan pick that's determined by a vote on Twitter. We all pick who's gonna try to. Sec- exceed their scoring average by the most points and as it turns out your two friendly co-hosts of the pelicans podcast yeah. ended up with four wins apiece We're over just the course smarter than everyone else. yeah I don't <laughs> over know. the course of the entire season and you know one of the things that's uh, i guess uh, i'll pat ourselves on the back too we can only pick a player once all season so it's not yeah. like every single week we can be like yeah let's i'll take brandon ingram yeah, give me give me ingram again we can only pick a guy once I think we actually both won when we did pick Ingram, by the way, but we that's did, another yeah. story. But, um, Thanks, B.I. So it comes down to there's no more Saturday games left, so I kind of had to pick a game there's to be the no tiebreaker. There's no left, too. Right, right. So we, we ended up with Friday. This game against the Knicks is going to be the tiebreaker, the ultimate the decider. The to end the ball. Yes. So, and as we mentioned, we did stick with the rules of we can only pick a player once, so we had to go with someone that we had not chosen over the course of the season. Yeah. And as a result of that, I ended up with Larry Nance, who's averaging, let me see, 6.8 points per game. Okay. And Might be kind of safe. Joe ended up with Dyson Daniels yeah. at 3.9 points per game. So yep. as we say, the, the part about the average that's important is, you know, exceeding it. It's not like whoever scores more points wins. It's, it's going to be... You take how many points they score, you subtract their scoring average. So let the best man win. Loser has to get uh, the other person's face tattooed on their chest. So I've been drawing. I didn't know about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't sign the contract? You didn't read the contract? I probably did, but didn't read it. Uh, I figured when you signed it in blood, you knew. Uh, Well, it's uh, it's binding. Come on, Larry Nance, Elliot Dunks. Let's go. Let's go. So high drama here on the Pelicans podcast. Jim may be in recovery with one eye and a still bleeding chest tattoo. Of Joe. Yes, we shall see. Wow. What a week. Yeah. Hey, join us at the Pels 12 watch party. Uh, Gus Kattengell will be at the Mid-City Yacht Club with the Pels 12 pregame doing the show from there. So show up, have a few drinks, uh, arm wrestle Gus if you feel like it. Uh, We will have some of the radio crew out there as well. And uh, just so glad to be out there with the Pels 12. They always throw a great event, and we just love hanging out there with the people. So, until Monday... (laughs) Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. 
We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Oh, a steal, Ingram. Up the floor, Herb. Come on, Herb. Dunk it down. Two hands. 34 for Herbert K. Jones. Offensive foul, Dylan Brooks on the inbound. And Dylan Brooks exits stage left.